Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Welcome to episode 383 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we'll talk a little bit about my 4K Blu-ray collection and a few of the updates, a few of the films that I have been able to pick up recently. Also, there is a very large sale of films going on currently on Amazon for those that are Prime members, uh, which include some 4K titles that are pretty reasonably priced in the $12 to $13 range, a couple that are around $10. So overall, I would say some pretty good deals going on. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about those and what I think some of the best deals going on right now. And of course, I do know, and so you do not need to tag me uh, in it multiple times. And if you come into this late, um, again, obviously, I do get the news updates and, and all that. And we, of course, do uh, obviously send our prayers over to um, the late, great Angela Lansbury, who passed away. Um, But she was 96. She lived a very full and complete life. And so for me, whenever it comes to uh, death, obviously, we pray for those that that have been lost. But at the same time, um, you know, there's there's also there's things to be sad about, but there's also things to to not be sad about. There's things to have the potential joy for. Uh, again, as I as I say on the show constantly, uh, when it comes to any time the topic of death comes up, I think it was the great St. Catherine of Siena who said, again, this life is but the ship. It is not the destination. Uh, so again, rest in peace to the late, great Angela Lansbury. So anyway, let's go ahead and say hello to some people. Before we go any further, please make sure you smash that like button, not that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey. Smash the rumble button as we're live streaming over there as well. Uh, we have officially gone off and have left the DLive platform. I, I talked to one of the only persons that was still over there um, as he was a subscriber over there. And that was a, a paid membership. And so I, I talked to him and he said, oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Don't don't even worry about it. I am you know, haven't used it myself. And uh, so we are no longer streaming on DLive. It's pretty much a dying platform. But we are live on Odyssey. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Rumble. And we are also live on Locals as well. So if you have a comment or question at any point tonight, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin. It lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. Uh, let's see. Dan Crane is in the chat. What's going on? Uh, how is it going? Yes, indeed. We've already uh, talked about that. Again, it is sad. It is definitely sad, but at the same time, lived a very full life, and all we can do is, is send our prayers her way and uh, pray for the repose of her soul and that perpetual light might shine upon her. We got Tina B. in the chat. What's going on, Tina B.? Uh, again, uh, Stephanie B is out as it is Tuesday. So thank you very much for being here. We got Orange Hour Views in the chat as well. Hail to you, Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. Hail to you. Forever Sci-Fi is also in the chat. What is going on? We got Evan S in the chat. Everyone's pretty much saying the same thing. Uh, Scott McKenzie, what's going on? Hail to you. Kimberly G, what's going on? Welcome back. Uh, J.S. Pena coming in tagging. Uh, just straight away going into a question saying, do you think that Lofty is having bad takes on purpose and that he knows that are full of crap? Uh, here's the thing. I don't know anything about Lofty. I've only heard the name a couple of times, and I believe it was on an in relation to a Geeksing Gamers or a um, uh, Friday Night Tight stream. I don't know who that person is. I've never watched their content, and so therefore, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care uh, one iota uh, about whether or not they are being authentic or not. So, yeah. 
those are my thoughts about about that. Uh, the old guard, what is going on? Hail to you, Alex McCarthy. What's going on, good sir? Saying, how's it going? How's Thor? Only movies been watching lately are horror movies, specifically Final Destination, Saga, Yesterday, and Today. Man, come on, Alex. You're better than this, man. The final, the first Final Destination film is fine, but to watch the saga, the fact that you even mention it as a saga, it's just, it's just disappointing. It's just sad. For once, I'd love for you to, to mentioning, you know, great films and great series. <laughs> just, just for once, just for once. <laughs> uh, let's see, Despenya, have you ever been wrong before? Just whether or not a movie you thought would bomb made money, or uh, a movie you thought would suck that ended up being good. Well. If you're a human being, every person is wrong at some point in their life. Uh, I will say that when it comes to box office numbers and breakdowns, most of the numbers that I present and put out there tend to be accurate. If you actually look to my charting, what I have is all of all of my projections are based off of the first two weeks of release. And if you actually look to what most films end up making uh, over the course of their release, you'll notice that the average is just about 60%. So that means that the vast majority of movies fall within the range of projections, which I have as, as 50, meaning they double what they've made in their first two weeks, or um, they they lose a little bit more money, and they that first two weeks account for around 70% of their entire number. So that average shows, and is, again, a showcase of the fact that, again, most films fall into that category. However, there obviously are exceptions to that. If you look to films, for instance, like... Even more recently, films that I knew would be successful, but just not as successful as it ended up being, uh, a movie like what we saw with the release of Top Gun Maverick, right? I knew Top Gun Maverick was was going to be a, a very uh, successful movie because of the positive word of mouth, because the film was fantastic to boot, because of its incredibly small week one to week two drop-off. So that's an example of one where I did not expect it to have as small of that drop-off. Again, that was historic for it to have that strong of a hold from week one to week two. And then it continued to, to, to hold strong. And so it's, its first two weeks accounted for only 38% or so of its entire run. So it, it more than doubled what it made in the first two weeks. And so it's an outlier. Um, there's only ever really a few films a year that tend to fall into that category. There's also only a couple, like two or three films a year that end up uh, bombing so badly that the first two weeks account for over 70% of their entire run. Um, but as far as ones that I've been wrong about, uh, the one that I thought was not going to do well based off of its initial numbers was definitely Knives Out. Um, I did not think that that film was going to be as big of a hit. And to be fair, no one was really saying when that fir film first came out and within the first couple weeks of its release, no one thought that that movie was going to be able to, to do as well and to have as much staying power as it ended up having. So I guess that would be an example of one that, that I've gotten wrong. But as I said, if you look at the grand course of all the films that I, that I track, uh, if you look to that percentage of the average of all of the movies, um, and it even includes ones that are only two weeks into release, meaning that the number's at 100%. So most films, though, fall into that range of somewhere between 50 and, and 70%. So, um yeah, my numbers are usually pretty accurate when it comes to that. And again, they're not just some random arbitrary percentages that I came up with. I studied several films and said, okay, let me try and see, is there a way for us to have a good idea or a good metric of, of really seeing what kind of money movies tend to make at the box office? And and sure enough, the, the first two weeks of release really did account for uh, a big part of that discussion. So anyway... 
Uh, we got Morak. What's going on? Welcome back to the chat. Thank you for being here. Miss Minnesota hockey fan. How about a hockey player? Hail to you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see. Orange Eye Views, who's a member, says, You must turn yourself into a fluffy white rabbit. Repeat the following. Filigree, apogee, pedigree, perigree, perigee. Um, I love that movie. Uh, I, I believe that I'm finally getting a movie reference correct. Um, <laughs> I, I usually do. But Ben, uh, so um, I'm probably going to say the name of it wrong now. But was it Bed Knobs and Broomsticks? I don't know why I want to say bed knobs and broomsticks. Pretty sure it's bed knobs. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they turn the, the bed knob. Yeah, so bed knobs and broomsticks. That that film is fantastic. I remember watching that movie so many times when I was younger. And I, I just thought it was so much fun. Uh, the part at the end, especially with like the battle and the war, was 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 just so much fun and, and was so great. And it was such a weird, bizarre film. So... Um, yeah, I actually catch that reference there, and I appreciate it. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey. What's going on, Odyssey fam? Uh, Abomination tagged and said, every human is wrong as a child, especially when asked uh, what we want for dinner. And then he has the emojis of ice cream, cookies, um, and I, I can't see or make out the other one. But no, it's it's absolutely true, you know? And again, all of us are wrong at some point in, in our life. There's no doubt about that. Um, as far as the other question about a film that I thought was going to be bad that ended up not being bad. Those are harder because movies that I think are bad, I tend just to avoid. If I think a movie is going to be bad, like objectively, and there's no reason for me to see it, like I'm not going to, it's not a movie that I'm going to talk about on Friday Night Tights, or it's not a movie that has a lot going around it that might actually, like the, the drama surrounding it compels me to, to go see it, even if I don't have a lot of interest in the film itself. That doesn't really, again, I don't really get drawn to those kinds of movies. So most of the movies that I go to watch are films where it's either very neutral as far as the anticipation leading up to it, or it's a positive uh, reaction. But I, I tend to avoid bad movies because my mindset is, why would I want to waste my time on on bad movies or movies that I know are going to be bad, that are, are movies that I, I won't be talking about with anybody else, you know, like it's just it's one of those things where it's I'm trying to use the time that I have as <laughs> as best as I can. And I'm no expert at that by any means. I'm not perfect at that. Lord knows that there has been much time wasted on a bad show or on a bad um, on a bad movie. A great example of a bad movie that I, I, I figured was going to be bad. I just didn't know how bad would be. There was a Disney exclusive release during covid. It was the. um Oh, it was the film adaptation of of a book. And I know that's very vague. I think Alex McCarthy probably knows the one I'm talking about. Um, but it was just, uh, it was terrible. It was so atrocious. And it was one of those movies where I just wanted my time back. And I was like, I just can't. Uh, Abomination says it's cake. Ah, okay. I thought it was a slice of cake. I just didn't know exactly what it was like. Artemis Fowl, Rob D. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. Artemis Fowl. That's the one. Yeah, Artemis Fowl. Oh, my goodness. That's one of those movies where it's like, I honestly, if I had the ability to get time back, that would be probably one of the first ones on my list uh, uh, to get my time back from. So <laughs> let's see. Scott McKenzie, who is a member, says, was looking at upcoming trailers. Seems like not much good coming our way soon. No, I mean, the next major film to be released soon is the Black Adam movie. And I've talked about that on, on my box office breakdowns. I think that that movie is probably not going to do much domestically. 
you know, even the projections from the pronosticators, right, who have, you know, all their own algorithms and their own calculations don't suspect it to make more than, like, they're not even seeing the film making over $200 million domestically by the end of its run. That movie is going to be able to be a huge success internationally. And I've mentioned this previously where I think that because it's not just that The Rock's in the movie, it's that because of The Rock's reach and the fact that he sells his movies and he's very effective, he's a very effective salesman, as it were, I think that's one of the main reasons why the films that he's in tend to do very well internationally, especially in comparison to the domestic run of his films. Um, And so he's got that, again, he's got that appeal that just for some reason is much more appealing to international audiences than it is to domestic ones, right? It doesn't seem to work as well on domestic. Though I will say that the films that he is in, if he were not in it, I I think that we could definitely find an argument to say that uh, without his charisma and without his ability to sell a a film that he's in, that the even lower-end box office compared to the international numbers um, would probably not be nearly as well talking about the uh, domestic, right? Because let me see if we have any updates here from Box Office Pro as far as the long-term impacts. By the way, low watermark, thank you very much for donating. $25 via Streamlabs. No message attached to it, but low watermark, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. Thank you always for being very supportive of, of the channel. really does mean a lot. But yeah, here is the the most recent of the, here we go, let's transition over here, of the box office breakdown. Let's go ahead and pull out of that real quick. So the last update, and obviously they're going to have an update in the next couple of days for Halloween Ends, because that's what's coming out this weekend, it's Halloween Ends. It was trending upward, but even that one, 37 to 47 million opening, 69 to 88 million domestic total, though this is very good news because those films don't cost a lot to make. Um, that is still obviously not not nearly as much as what some might expect it to be. Black Adam is only expected to make fifty five to seventy million domestic opening weekend with a total of one thirty five to one seventy five. This has kind of been this has been something that's played almost all of the Warner Brothers releases. There, there's really not many Warner Brothers films. Some might say the Batman, but even the Batman, if you actually look at the numbers, that film based off of the uh, the presence in social media, the 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 initial reactions, the opening weekend should have been a much bigger film than it ended up being. So really, Warner Brothers has has struggled a lot to not only have a major opening weekend release, but to hold on to those numbers uh, throughout the course of the entire run. Um, and so, as you can see, again, Black Adam only projected to make one thirty five to one seventy five. I honestly just don't think that the movie is going to be that much of a hit here domestically. But internationally, I think I would not be surprised if Black Adam was able to get 400 plus million um, in the international uh, market. I That would not surprise me one, one iota. When you look at some of the really bad films that Dwayne Johnson has been in that have somehow been financial successes, it's not really because of the domestic. The, the domestics for, for those movies haven't been all that impressive. But the international numbers have, have been, oh man, much, much more impressive than one might think. So, but yeah, you got Black Adam coming out after that. Um, you got the horror film Pray for the Devil, which I, I have my own issues with just based on like the concept of the movie itself. And then you got the One Piece film 
coming out in the beginning of November. And then the next major film after that's not going to be until Wakanda forever. So it's a very, very slow going at the box office. Very, very slow going at the box office for the foreseeable future. Um, but while I'm at a, a little bit of a pausing point, by the way, smash the like button, live fire button, on Odyssey, smash the rumble button. I'll check out all the channels in a second. I do want to, of course, mention the films that I've been able to pick up on physical media recently. So I actually did a huge run to Best Buy today. So I got a bunch of films to be giving away. Uh, so I have those actually stacked in the back. So I got films like the entire uh, Godfather trilogy on 4K Steelbook. So those are going to be films that will be up for giveaway. Uh, so if you are the keeper of the Bifrost level and above on Patreon, Subscribestar, or Locals, uh, you get access to a giveaways channel on the Discord server. So be on the lookout for those films. Uh, but some other films I was able to pick up, a uh, copy for myself and then also for the giveaways. Uh, this one I just picked up today, and uh, I actually really like the design of, of the Steelbook. I wish Lionsgate had charge of this because having this with the Lionsgate like, plastic cover where they add artwork on and the film details is just really awesome. But this is one that's kind of been flying under the radar. It's the release of Army of Darkness on the 4K Steelbook. I just think this is from Shout Factory. It's a Shout Factory Steelbook. But I just think that the design is awesome. So for those that are fans of uh, Army of Darkness, I actually prefer this one to the Evil Dead movies. I think this one's more fun. Um, personally, obviously it might be a unpopular opinion. It might be a popular opinion, but what's really cool about this release and something I didn't know until I, until I bought it though, is that this is, this comes with several cuts of the movie. So you get the theatrical cut in 4k. You then get also a Blu-ray of the theatrical. You get a Blu-ray of the director's cut of the movie. And you also get a Blu-ray of the international slash television cut. So you, and and those are two different cuts. So you get basically four versions of the film. And I love, I love, uh, I love sets like that. I love sets that give you a lot of extra stuff. And obviously Shout Factory is, is, is very well known for their films, usually of, you know, horror films or films of, of that nature. But I thought that that was a really cool thing. And I wish, I wish more movies had those types of things. A four disc set, again, 4K Steelbook. Got this bad boy up from from Best Buy. I'm pretty sure it's a Best Buy exclusive there. I picked this one up not long ago, but this is one I missed out on the initial buy because everyone pre-ordered it, and there's just so many people that... And this is the reason why it it sucks for people like me who like to collect 4Ks and then also like to give them away, the Steelbooks especially, because now there's a limit where you can only buy two, but it's done that way because there's so many scalpers that get all these 4K steelbooks and and then go to eBay and, and just jack up the prices of them. So I'm actually happy they just started doing this and they've actually done it beyond Best Buy now where they'll actually do it on uh, – they, they, they actually have some of them on Amazon. And so the Spider-Man No Way Home 4K uh, steelbook, they did a re-release of that one. So I was able to pick up a couple of, couple, a couple of copies of that. But anyway, I just think it's a really well-designed steelbook. Just very beautiful artwork. This, of course, comes with the movie on 4K. And then there's also uh, Blu-ray as well. Comes with various special features. But I'm a big Steelbook fan. I just think that they look really nice. This is one that I've mentioned before. I did a giveaway on the Giveaways channel on Discord as well. And uh, I-, I wish this was a 4K release of the movie. Though I'm also not all that surprised that, that they haven't done a 4K for it. Because I don't really think the film needs it as much. But it is interesting, nonetheless, that that this film, which I would consider to be one of Spielberg's most underrated movies, is uh, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, I just thought that the the steelbook for it, for it actually was very well designed. 
Uh, but this is just the standard Blu-ray. So if you already own the Blu-ray, unless you were a collector and you wanted to get the actual uh, Steelbook itself, then it really isn't <laughs> really isn't adding all that much new to it. But I like the Steelbook design, and it was overall not, you know, they weren't charging a whole lot for it. Uh, and then this other one that I have at least next to me, this is one I was so upset they didn't have the other two films in the franchise. And yes, you heard that right. I said the other two films in the franchise, but they did have Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on 4K Steelbook. So I was very happy to see that one. I actually really like this one. I like Raiders a lot. Temple of Doom is okay, but this is one that's always I've always been drawn to. And obviously, for those that follow me and you follow me for a while, you know I'm uh, I'm a devout Catholic, and so there's just so many elements of this one, especially. Uh, even compared to Raiders, which already has a lot of religious imagery into it, but this just has a lot of even more, and I just I just love that dynamic and and that part of it. Not to mention, of course, you got the great father son uh, dynamic as well. Uh, you know, Sean Connery playing very well off of uh, <laughs> uh, off of everybody in in the movie. I mean, just his relationship with everyone in the film. You know, especially with Harrison Ford. Uh, as Indiana Jones, but this is on 4K Steelbook. They didn't have the other one, sadly, uh, but they did have that one. But I also picked up the uh, entire uh, Godfather series on 4K Steelbook as well, but those are ones that I already have the the 4Ks for, and so I'll probably give away, if not both copies that I was able to pick up, then at least one of them. So those are the main updates to my physical media collection. I'm in the process of digitizing them as we speak. Let's see, Gary Banjo Sandwich says, started the new horror series, The Midnight Club, a bit like your show Midnight UK when you are on, but the series is good so far, three episodes in. Very cool. Uh, Kimberly G, House of Dragon made me tear up this week. Great acting. I will say that, though I do think the show is getting more praise than it deserves, I think that when people went into the show, they, they were expecting it to be and, and again, I, I've mentioned this consistently about how the the shadow of this thing, right? I didn't buy this one. Jace, <laughs> shout out to Jace Doe. He sent me a box full of Blu-rays and DVDs and 4Ks. So he sent me season eight of Game of Thrones. But I mean, this this thing right here just just casts such a heavy shadow, such a heavy sh- uh, heavy shadow over uh, House of Dragon. And so I think that when the, when the show ended up not completely sucking. I think it made a lot of us think of it as being better than what it actually is because I think if we try to separate ourselves out, we can recognize that it's it's not a terrible show, but it's also not necessarily a, a great show either. The one thing it does have going for it, though, and this is where I totally agree with you, Kimberly G, is I do think that as far as the, the adult actors are concerned, a lot of talent is there, um, especially, what's his name, uh, Patty... Uh, was it Patty Condine? I think is, is his full name. Maybe I'm right. Maybe I don't know if I'm right on that, but I think it's Patty Condine. He, he's been the, you know, he's the king of King's Landing and his character development, his character arc finally reached like its peak this week. And yeah, absolutely. Really great acting from him, uh, more so than, than anyone else for sure. Uh, J.S. Pena. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I appreciate you saying hi. Took you a while, but I appreciate it. Uh, we over on Odyssey says new Criterions are fifty percent off on the Criterion shop. Barnes and Noble has their sale next month. Yeah, that's the thing is like it. The Criterion sale doesn't excite me all that much because it it used to be something where it happened like once a year, 
And so you would save up your money and you would you would, you know, keep your eye out on certain things. They do they do a 50% off sale. This seems like the third or fourth one this year. <laughs> it seems like almost every other month they're having some 50% off sale. Um, so, and, and they always line it up with some other sale, like Amazon's having a sale. And so they're like, Hey, we're going to go ahead and have a sale now too, you know? So it's not as special as, as it used to be. And even at half off, you're still spending quite a bit, especially now that they're doing 4ks when you're still spending like 30 to $35 on a 4k. I, I mean, and that's half off. Yeah. I just, yeah. I have I, as much as I do appreciate the quality of what you get from Criterion because I definitely think you get a lot of good quality stuff. I also just have to say, you know, I, I think that uh, I think that they could probably do a bit more. Uh, let's see, King Kang Rumshki over on Rumble. Tad is saying, "I am under the weather. Prepare mentally for my possible early departure. Be strong. Hey, you be strong, King Kang, and thank you for stopping by uh, over on Rumble. Appreciate you being over there." Alex McCarthy had to say, I did watch the new Hellraiser movie. I ended up falling asleep during it. Ah, uh, yes, the, the female Hellraiser film, correct? I, be, I believe that that's the, the main selling point, right? Is, hey, remember Hellraiser? Hey, now we've, now we've, made, it a, now we've made the Hellraiser creature a woman. Aren't we so smart? Kimberly G, but each episode is getting better, only two left. Um, I would agree and disagree with that. I still think episode four was trash. I really do. I'm not letting that one go. I, I'm not letting that one go. I think that episode four is is the episode that, to me, kind of showcased the the hand of of the showrunners and, and the people behind it. Just the perverted nation. So people are going to try and come back to say, well, it's in the books. It's like, yeah, that doesn't mean that you have to show, uh, visibly show, every single element of things that are in the book. I mean, they have no pro. Like, and to me, this is the bigger sign. The, the further we get into, it's actually I can't. I think the further we're getting into it now that the uh, actors have been swapped, right now that the adult actresses are in. Here's the disturbing truth: you saw more skin from the younger actresses, one of whom was 17, 18 when they were filming it, and some sort of oh, that means she's an adult. It's like, yeah, still a kid. Still a very young, still a young person. The other one I think was nineteen twenty. You saw more of them and their skin than you have of the actual adult actresses. Now I think all of it's bad. Again, that that if you're gonna talk, call me a moral prude, okay. Well, the place that you get me is me talking about how all of it is is crap that shouldn't be in there. But the fact that you had them show more. When it was not only the younger actresses, but again, this is where I, I, I still take my standing ground. It's not even just how old they are in real life and how old they are in the show. It's how old are they being presented as? How old is the show presenting them to be? Because those younger actresses, they portrayed them as being young. Like in the first episode, they were being portrayed as being kids. By the episode where this stuff went down, they were still being vis- visibly, visually portrayed as as no more than 16, is how they were being portrayed. I don't care, again, you can say, well, the show, by that time in the books, they were this age. That's not how they were showing them. That's not how they were representing them on screen. But to me, the fact that they 
have sh- they showed so much more <laughs> when it was the younger actresses being portrayed younger, and now with the adult ones they haven't shown it. It's like okay, so so episode four to me is still complete trash. It's so, so incredibly disturbing in, in so many different ways, and I think such a a major part of what I think is the major issue with with modern Hollywood in general. Um, now, after that, I think that it absolutely has improved. They were definitely able to to improve from that. But when you're starting at the you know bottom of the barrel, as it were, there's not really anywhere else you can go. So. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. Let's see. Kimberly G says, I don't recommend Game of Thrones anymore. I don't want anyone getting burned by recommendations and thinking I don't know good television. And, and I think that's also the problem with House of the Dragon, too, is that we don't know where the story is going to end up. Some will say, well, the books, it's like, okay, that doesn't mean that that's where the show is going to go, right? The show has already taken liberties in, in certain ways. So we could easily get to a point where we get shafted, you know? Um, and, and so I, I I think that a lot of people who might even have somewhat of an interest in the show are going to want to say, yeah, I'm going to wait until everything's done. And I, I hear good things about where it goes overall, you know? I, I think that that is where a lot of people are. And a lot of that has because, again, of Game of Thrones Season 8. Right, because so many people invested so much time and, and so much energy into these characters and into the development just for the final season, especially more than any of the other ones, but especially those last few episodes where everything that had been built came crashing down and it felt like and was a, a complete waste of time at that point. So, yeah. Alice McCarthy says, I think I remember I liked Artemis Fowl. And again, that wouldn't surprise me at all because it's a terrible movie. Uh, let's see. Kimberly G says, I'm ha- I'm hanging, waiting for wins, 4,107 days of waiting. Uh, oh, for uh, Winds of Winter? I don't think he's ever going to finish it. Uh, J.S. Pena, just finished Breaking Bad earlier. I got to say I was impressed with your thoughts about the show. I love Breaking Bad. I think it's a fantastic show. I think it's solid television. It's hard for me to really pick between that and Better Call Saul because they're both great shows from the same guy, Vince Gilligan. Um and uh, they're great in different ways. So I, yeah, I, I love Breaking Bad. I, I thought it was excellent. It had well-paced episodes. The, the story unfolded in just a very effective way. It had a satisfying conclusion. And I think that the, the last, the, the, the standalone movie they made, which was meant to give closure to one of the characters, I think also did a very good job. It was, it was a pretty well-made standalone movie. Uh, you know, obviously relying upon the, sh- the show, but as far as kind of like a one-off of, of the final of the story, I thought it was did a very, very good job. Better Call Saul also did fantastic. I, I might lean more towards the ending of Better Call Saul over Breaking Bad, but they're both great. And they're both very different, too. They're, they're similar in, in some ways, in, in some of the tone, but they're also so unique. Uh, and a lot of that, I think, has a lot to do with the differences between Brian Cranston as an actor um, and what we got from Better Call Saul. But yeah, I think that both of those shows are fantastic. If you're looking for more modern television to watch, that gives you good stuff. I, I would say that those two are pretty great. 
Rob D says, honestly, I think Kenneth Branagh directed only one scene of Art of Spell and Disney just credited him as the director because he's a big name. I refuse to believe he directed a film that bad. Rob, Rob D, I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's so hard for me to see, especially all the films that he's done, it's hard for me to believe that he actually directed that one. It's similar. There's like a couple of other Disney films where there were some pretty big names attached um, directing it. I, I think that it was similar to Aladdin because, oh, it wasn't Brana who did who did um, Aladdin, but it was, I think it was the same guy who did, I always blank on his name. I don't know why, but the same guy who did The Gentleman, um, which was fantastic. And it's like, yeah, same thing. I don't believe, I don't believe for a second that they actually directed it because it's not only nothing like what they've done before, but everything they've done before has just been utterly, you know, fantastic up until now, you know? Keely Chow, what's going on? Welcome back. Keely NG, I realize he'll never finish the books. It's heartbreaking leaving us all hanging. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I absolutely think that it's, 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 it's really bad. Yeah. And that's why I would say, you know, it's like don't get your hopes up all that much when it comes to, you know, House of the Dragon, because even though it's it's not the complete gutter trash that we thought it was going to be, I don't think that automatically then means it's good. And I think that that's where we really need to try to find that balance, because I think we absolutely are on the right track of, you know, pointing things out like the actor who plays uh, who plays the king in the show. I mean, he's a solid actor and he gives a great performance. And there's many actors in the show that are giving just fantastic performances. There's a lot of really cool moments of character development development that I think are, are really well done. The character of Damon is one that is, I, I think, developed also uh, very uh, effectively. But there's also those other issues that exist, as I, I mentioned previously, that I think just go too far. It's similar to Game of Thrones, right? It's not that I'm giving a pass to Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones did the same thing, right? It, it abandoned any sense of a good story or a good character development um, at the very end. But it, it had those same issues that I had with the episode four of of House of the Dragon. But the reason why for me it went too far in episode four is, as I mentioned, it's it's the way in which those those actresses were being presented. That that's where the issue comes in. Uh, let's see, Keck forty four, what's going on? Just another red shirt. Hail to you. Thank you very much for being in the chat. We got nearsighted Cyclops in the chat as well. Hail to you. Mark Lazeth is also in the chat. Hail to you. Kimberly, Kimberly G. I read Harry Potter as well. Good for Rowling to leave an outline. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that the the movies, though they are definitely not the books, are at the very least, you know, palatable. At the, at the very least, competent for the most part. I think that the latter films, um, you know, the late the later films in the franchise aren't. I feel like they get worse. <laughs> like to me, the peak is is Harry Potter three. Like as as far as a movie is concerned, I I just love Prisoner of Azkaban. I just I think the tonal shift in that film compared to the first two is just great. It takes that darker tone. I believe it was Alfonso Cuarón who actually directed that one, and so you just feel it, and you just know that there's this difference, and it's it's great. And then you get basically a series of films following it that. Some of them are okay. Some of them are, you know, it is what it is, kind of. Um, but my wife is a huge Harry Potter nerd, and so I always get to hear about how much of the books is left out of, of the movies. Now, with that being said, Rowling also went on to do the Fantastic Beasts films. 
And while the first one, though not great, was at the very least a, a decent movie, the second and third were complete and utter trash. And and she was the primary screenwriter, so... <laughs> uh, Chris from the 80s, what's going on? Welcome back. Good to see you here. Uh, J.S. Pena says, such a, great, uh, such a great design, holy such and such. Oh, yeah, if you're talking about for the Army of Darkness one, I believe that was the one I had up at that time. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Steelbook design on that one is absolutely fantastic. Very much agree. Let's see. The horrific podcast, What is Going On? Thanks for tagging. It says, did nobody twig on the beginning of Game of Thrones when George R. R. Martin was giving interviews that he was completely up his own arse? Uh, why is no one surprised that he had no intention of finishing his work? Well, for me, it's because I, I never watched the interview stuff. Like, that that type, that part of the process of filmmaking and television has never really interested me all that much. I know that there are definitely some interviews that I have watched, right? There are some things that I have dedicated time to outside of the individual. But I think that's why I'm also able to separate art from the artist a bit more than a lot of other people. I know there's a lot of people here, for instance, who have issues with with certain actors, with certain companies that I have the same issues with. But I think it might be because of the fact that I don't dive into those behind-the-scenes gossip-type stories you know, as much as I used to, that has kind of helped me been able to have that separation of art from the artist a, a little bit more. So I, when watching Game of Thrones, never had that understanding or that mindset because I, I never watched any of the dude's interviews. I was like, no, I, I find that the core elements of the story are interesting. And so basically whenever one of, when, whenever any of those scenes would come up that I had moral qualms with, it would be something where I was like, I still have a problem with this, but there is at least this underlining story that is is compelling enough to keep me watching, um, and and I feel like it, it definitely I feel like it got less as as the show went on, and that's kind of a typical HBO move, right? Is that oh they want to try and get you with the 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 sex and violence and all that stuff to tie you in? It's like a good story does doesn't and shouldn't need to do that, you know. Like you can think about that story of Game of Thrones or even House of the Dragon, and you can you can tweak those elements that I mentioned, especially how especially House of Dragon. You could have tweaked so many of those things that would have still presented the same story, and you probably could have even done it even more effectively. Versus just the disgusting way that they were presented. Uh, Kimberly G says, "I love being a nerdy girl myself. It's fun when others are into the same things you are." Oh, absolutely, and and that's why I I like to do, um. I like to try to go into as much of the nerdy stuff as I can. Um, and why I have gone away from covering as many of the news stories. Because I remember early on, especially in my channel, I covered a lot of, of the news stories. I covered a lot of the behind-the-scenes work and a lot of the drama and everything. And it's because at the time, I did have some interest in, in it. Because it, it seemed to be exposing a lot of the things that we uh, were talking about, that I was talking about at the time. But then over the course of that, I just, I found myself just getting burnt out on those, you know, and though I'm definitely not the peak of positivity, <laughs> because again, I do call myself the critic who is a cynic. I, I do take a, a cynical approach to, and it's really not cynical. It's really more realistic than anything else, but um, it definitely comes across as cynical. Um, but at the end of the day, I am much more interested in the actual raw data. And that's why I am much more focused on, on box office numbers and 
physical media and movie reviews and, and things like that. And that's why I also love the live streams because the live streams take on, they always take on a life of their own, you know? They always take on a life of their own. And the topics that are in the, the, the description are, you know, usually talked about, but but not always exclusively. And sometimes we, I, will go off on rants and it's, uh, it can be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Victor Fontaine, come fly with me, says Nick. Uh, let's see. Nice pick. With the Army of Darkness 4K Steelbook, Evil Dead 1 and 2 were last weekend's Halloween movies. Army is this weekend. Very nice. Good choices. Father Luca, hail to you, Father. Thanks for being in the chat. Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, how about a hockey player? Thank you very much for becoming a keeper of the Bifrost level on the YouTubes. Appreciate it. Uh, Laura says, can't wait for the season finale of House of the Dragon this Sunday and then Nerdronix post-show stream. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of time. (laughs) Because you're going to have probably a good hour and a half and is this weekend the last episode, or is it the second to last episode? Someone I just mentioned that there were two episodes left. Um, I, I know that it is the last episode for Rings of Power, and I know I know a plethora of people are going to be so happy for that to be over because so many of us and so many channels talk and spend so much time on it. That's that's why I don't even have it, you know, as as a main talking point anymore because I know we already get so much conversation on Friday Night Tights with it. Um, and then if you watch or follow any individual channels, typically they have, uh, you know, they have, uh, segments or live streams that focus on it. So yeah, I, I try to, I try to create as, as much variation as I, as I can to the best of my ability. Kimberly G season eight Blu-ray would make a good doorstop, uh, or a drink or a good drink holder too. Absolutely. Uh, let's see, Rob D says, I think you should do a Best Buy 4K hunt for Top Gun Maverick to show us how many Best Buys will be sold out of it like you did for Alita Battle Angel. Here's the thing, Rob D, there's there's two problems with it. The first problem is one that I've mentioned. So when I moved here, I actually did try to film some just coverage of 4K movies. And within like two minutes of filming, I wasn't filming anybody else i was just focusing on the movies i wasn't disrupting anybody one of the store managers came up and said you gotta you gotta put the camera away and i'm i'm that person where i don't really like conflict so i was like okay well i guess i'm just not doing that so that's one of the problems the second problem is that especially since covid um if you've been to a best buy recently it's slim pickings their movie sections are just abysmal now. I mean, I went today to do some some steelbook hunting, and they've got one display, right, in the middle of one of their aisles. They got one display of films, and there's barely anything in there for for starters. And then there's only maybe like five or six films that are featured on Steelbook there. And then there's like one other section, there's like one aisle where one side has slim pickings of movies some having bare spots on them and then there was like a third of a section it used to be so much i mean they used to have the they i didn't even i didn't even see the five dollar bin but i remember they had the five dollar blu-ray bin you would just go in there and you see okay what what kind of stuff can i get for five bucks now on blu-ray um they would have the full-fledged 4k section the the four you know the full-fledged steelbook section and there might be some cities that still have that but the ones near me are just are just awful they they are just just terrible so i would love to do that i really would 
But what I can tell you right now is that Top Gun Maverick Steelbook is going to easily outsell the Captain Marvel ones. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think that there are still some Captain Marvel Steelbooks in circulation. Um, You could still get them for around the same price as they were when they first got released. Because no one was buying those. No one was buying the the Captain Marvel Steelbook. Um, I think eventually they just kind of like pulled it off the shelf. I I would not be surprised... If there was some kind of, like, in the warehouse somewhere, a bunch of the 4K steelbooks for for Captain Marvel, like, just just hanging out, you know, just hanging out, doing its own thing, it would not surprise me. (laughs) They're just, you know, collecting dust in the quarter. Uh, Patty was 110%. uh, Talk about for rings of, not rings of power, not rings of power, not at all. Uh, No, yeah, absolutely. For House of the Dragon, he, he did fantastic. Uh, Matthew Ham, what's going on? Uh, yeah, they they are definitely on the pricey side, but again, that's the reason why you you get it as a collector, or you wait for films to come out that are a bit more reasonable. So, for instance, there are older films that they're releasing on 4K, and they have actually been reasonably priced. Like this is one I picked up um, not too long ago. I don't know if I had featured this or not, but this is. Let me get the comment off the screen. Uh, so this is the 4K steelbook for Warrior. This is an amazing movie. This is a phenomenal film. And this one, I think, is going for either 15 or 20 bucks. So to get not only a steelbook, but a 4K steelbook for that is, I, I think, pretty good. And this is Lionsgate. And Lionsgate, as I mentioned, like they know how to do steelbooks. I mean, one, it's guaranteed a slipcover, which is a problem with even regular films. But as you'll notice, they build a design into the actual cover. And then because they do that, it means that all the information on the back which they typically just have a little cardboard piece of paper nowadays for um, for the other steelbooks, for all the other companies that are not uh, Lionsgate. The ones that you either collect or throw away, I typically throw them away just because it's like so silly. Like this is how every single one of, of the, the 4K steelbook should be done. But yeah, you can get one of these for like about, about 15 to 20 bucks, which I, I think is pretty reasonable. And then they had another one recently, uh, 310 to Yuma, the remake. This is a fantastic film, too. I know that some people might like the first one. I've actually never seen it, but this is a film by James Mangold, Russell Crowe, Christian Bale in it. Uh, to me, the, 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 the key standout performance is, is Ben Foster. Love Ben Foster in this movie. But once again, you have here great artwork and also the slipcover as well, which actually is a functioning slipcover. <laughs> so it's not just it's not just protecting the disc or the the steelbook case. It's it also has its own function to it as well. This is another one you can get for like 15 or 20 bucks. So yeah, the brand new ones for sure. I mean the the ones I, I've already pre-ordered uh, a couple of copies of the steelbook for Top Gun Maverick. And those are, were going for about 35, 40, which is which is normal. So you can always wait. The problem is is that if you wait for, for steelbooks, especially for films that are popular they, they get sold out, and then if you ever want to get it, you're going to have to spend 80, 80, at least $80 buying it secondhand from eBay from a bunch of uh, scammers. Well, not scammers, you know, I think that they are scamming people, but um, but yeah, it's just something that you, again, if you're not into it, then you're not into it. You can easily wait for a Black Friday sale, or if you are willing to wait six months a regular standard Blu-ray copy of a film will become five to ten dollars relatively quickly. So, 
but even the 4Ks have gone down quite a bit in price. Yeah, Matt Smith. I thought Matt Smith did a great job uh, in this past episode as well, for sure. Jess Pena says, I'm not a fan of Game of Thrones, but I'm glad Matt Smith is in something good because Morbius was bad. I should have listened to you and Drinker about how bad it was, but no, I had to trust my gut. Again, we we try to be as honest as we possibly can. And uh, I will say this much though, I do have a soft spot, a soft spot in my soft spot in my heart for Morbius because the memes that have come from it are fantastic. It's Morbin time. I mean, come on. It's awesome. Uh, the horrific podcast over on Odyssey says that looks a similar design to the Event Horizon release. It was nice, bro. I am so upset because I had the have I had my eye on the Event Horizon steelbook, and I was waiting for a, a deposit from it was like either YouTube or somewhere. I was waiting for like a month's deposit to 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 buy it, and it got sold out. And I was so sad because I thought the design for it looked really cool. And I've, I've actually not seen Event Horizon. I have Event Horizon, but the Steelbook looked fantastic. Um, and so I'm very sad that I was not able to, to pick that one up. But that's an example of uh, the scalpers. I mean, they buy all the copies that they possibly can. They Even with the rules that they have in, in play right now to try to limit scalping, it still happens, you know. But uh, But yeah. I don't know if that was a Lionsgate release as well, as far as the uh, the 4K release. I think it was. I think that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it. Because the uh, artwork is, is really good. And again, the, the plastic slipcover, I think, is a, a must. We over on Odyssey says, Imagine if the classic cult TV show was made today. Feminists would attack it constantly. Banner, uh, Banner not being able to keep a job. Him hulking out would be toxic masculinity. And the Lonely Man theme played throughout the show would be called a song for incels. Well, here's the thing. We have a modern-day version of Hulk. It's called She-Hulk, and it's complete garbage. And it's exactly what you would get. So, yeah, you're right. What we got with She-Hulk, that's exactly what you would get with a modern-day interpretation of, of Hulk. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, for sure. See, Brightburn says, Oh, Father, I've heard great things about Werewolf by Night, and I'm curious if you echo those sentiments. I've never seen it before. Um, I've heard of it, but I have not seen it, and I've not heard enough to know whether or not it's worth going to see. Matthew Heyman, had to say, just finished watching Stargate SG-1 on Blu-ray. They ran the show through AI upscaling, and it looked great. Nice. Very, very nice. Uh, Nearside Cyclops says, I loved Mike in both Breaking Bad and Saul. Since so we got more Mike and Saul, I prefer it. Hey, you know what, Nearside Cyclops? That's actually, that is a fair argument. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Trout is such a great character, and I, I love that character so much. And I agree. Yeah. In in that regard, I would say Breaking Bad. I think Break. So I find Better Call Saul to be a much more entertaining show, whereas Breaking Bad. I, I just uh, the story of Breaking Bad. I mean, again, they're both good. Yeah, Miss Minnesota hockey fan. That's who I was thinking about. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, Guy Ritchie also got involved with a, a Disney project, and I'm pretty sure it was the live action of Aladdin. And, that movie was not good. And it's like, how much of this was actually done by Guy Ritchie and how much of this was actually done? You know, it's just doesn't seem like <laughs> doesn't seem like they're actually being directed by the people they are saying they are being directed by. If you know what I mean. K 
Kinkane Rumschke over on Rumble says, I've noticed that bad shows try to lure you in with a decent season one, but then are crap in season two. I don't know necessarily if it's that they're trying to lure you in. I think it's that they're making a show, and the first season is one that typically is much is much more made out of passion. And I feel like this is true for most, not just shows, but creators, right? When you, when you have the these you know directors, they start off, and they're doing it because they're passionate about it, right? They care about the product. Whereas once you get into a show season two, you either will have creators and showrunners that continue to have that passion and so can continue to deliver. Cobra Kai is a great example. Uh, wife and I have been watching through it because she had never seen it before. She had never seen the other Karate Kid movies. So we we, we rewatched all three of the Karate Kids. Um, and she loved Terry Silver in the third one. And I was reminded just how much I love Terry Silver just as in that <laughs> just so over-the-top villain way. And then we start watching, and now she loves Cobra Kai. She's obsessed with Cobra Kai. Um, and she's like, thank you so much for, for actually pushing me to watch it. Because for her, she was like, oh, another 1980s movie. Like, this is the reason why she doesn't want to watch the Rocky series and, and things like that. Because she's like, she, she, you know, has a perception in her mind. But she loves Cobra Kai. And Cobra Kai is a great example where every single season has been good. Some have been better than others, for sure. But they've, they've all been good. I've never been left disappointed at the end of any of those seasons. So I, I think that it really just depends on whether or not the showrunners or the director, in, in the case of a direct director with a series of movies, whether they let their egos get to their head. That, that to me, is, is really what it comes down to, right? Do they let their ego get, get to their head? And if they do then that is typically why you would see a drop-off in quality because then they're not doing it out of passion and out of love of the product that they're making. They're, they're doing it because of money. They're doing it because of fame. They're doing it because they think that they can walk on water, you know? And it's sad to see them go through that. Uh, Kincaid Rumschke, what is a showrunner, director, producer, something else? Uh, a showrunner is typically a, a producer... But think of it as being kind of like a lead producer. So having the having main creative control. Uh, so the, they're the ones who are making the the big decisions for for a show. Um, and and sh- TV sh- TV is something that is definitely not as much of my forte as movies are, because with TV you have individual directors directing individual episodes. But ultimately, they still also have to follow the vision that the showrunner wants for a, a given show as well. So it gets a little bit more complex in that way. All right. It is 754. So we got about 35 minutes left. Again, if you have a comment or question, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin lets me know you're trying to get my attention. And as Tina B mentioned here in the chat, Empress of the Universe, hail to Tina B. Uh, I do fall sometimes usually about 20 to 30 minutes behind in the chat. Let me go ahead and toggle on my timestamps. Right now it is 7.33 in the chat, so I am just about 30 minutes behind. (laughs) Here, here, everybody. Some would say I'm right on schedule. Sherry Allen, what's going on? Welcome back. Glad to have you here. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member, says, I'm not going to watch a prequel to a story that will never be finished. Season 8 was just bad fan fiction. Hey, and Forever Sci-Fi, I completely respect that decision. And that, I think, is why I am also not as on board with, with House of the Dragon. You know, despite the, the issues with Episode 4, I'm also one where 
I, I look at every episode and I try to, to the very best of my ability, and again, we're human, so we're not going to be perfect at this, but I try to separate art from the artist. I try to look at it as objectively as I can. And, and the show has got flaws. It, it's not a perfect show. I would say one of the biggest issues for me, and this is something that I think existed as well in the original Game of Thrones series, but I don't think it... It maybe didn't seem as prominent because there weren't as many Targaryens, but because this show is featuring the Targaryens, those Targaryen wigs, man, I tell you, <laughs> they are just, but that that itself, right, it can be distracting, and it is, I think, it's an objective criticism. We're talking about an objective quality of, you know, filmmaking, and whether that be a show or a movie, your, your costuming and your makeup and your hair, those are all part of it. And, and the wigs are just not very uh, well done, and, and they're they're clearly you know when when you can tell someone has a wig, that to me means that they didn't do their job. That's one of the things that my wife, for instance, watching Cobra Kai, uh, she thinks all of the characters are, are really well done, but anytime the character Tori is on screen, all she can see is the terrible wig that Tori is wearing. <laughs> now I'm not as sensitive to that kind of thing in general. But when it comes to the Targaryen ones, because it's such a, it's such a like highlight yellow blonde, it's just it's hard it's hard not to see it. It's hard not to see it. Uh, UAB Mad Dog says locals hail hail to you. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I've got so many people who follow me on locals because you don't have to be a supporter financially to follow, and yet. Whatever the live streams are up over there, I, I have it set to notify people, but I guess people don't want to watch on locals. But hey, you would be mad dog. What's up, brother? And I only did recently start uh, streaming on, on locals, so maybe it'll catch on. I like to give people options, as I always like to say. All righty. <laughs> All right, Tina says, did the live action Aladdin have cool fight scenes, cool killings, and a guy getting his head slammed between a car door and the door? <laughs> no, it <laughs> it should have based on who was directing it. But instead, no, it ended up having uh, just really bad CGI and an uninspired story and, and uninspiring actors portraying characters whose voice actors did so much better work in the original animated version, you know? So, uh, <laughs> all right, let's see. Uh, giant rat says prisoner of Azkaban in the beginning of the end of the movie series. At this point, the movies lose the magic and wonder of the world. Yeah. And again, I respect people who maybe don't like it as much as I do, but I, I love prisoner of Azkaban because it's not a kid's movie. The first two are clearly kids movies. And I like them for the fact that they are, uh, presented in a way where it is definitely much more for the family, right? Whereas for number three, it has some of those elements still, but it definitely takes that darker turn where you, you start to, as a parent, say, I don't know if I'm com I've, as comfortable taking my, my kid to go see it. There's some themes in there that might be a little too mature for them. And then, of course, as it goes on, it becomes uh, that much more. Um, but no, I, I honestly, I, I love Azkaban. I think that that one, I, I like the shift in tone. 
Uh, Tina, said, this is a Forbes headline, apparently. Marvel Shuffle, Blade Delay, Impacts, Fantastic Four, Deadpool 3, and Avengers 6. Sorry, I'm always multitasking. You saw that pop up. And who can say any of us are surprised by that? Think about how these major studios, especially Disney, has had to move so many of their films around because of having delays in the filmmaking process. Well, yeah, because of COVID. It's like, is it all because of COVID or is it possibly because of disagreements and chaos behind the scenes, which we know is kind of a major point when it comes to Disney in general. They've become notorious for their behind-the-scenes drama. Miss Minnesota Hockey fan, they should have wanted, they should have wanted, waited until she was done writing the books to make the movies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and Blazin, uh, I've not seen Werewolf by Night, so cannot speak to it. Cannot speak to it. Uh, Laura, I see what you did there, my modern major general. How dare you? One Commandment says two episodes left. Yeah, I believe it's two for House of Dragon and then one episode left for Rings of Power. Cannot wait for Rings of Power to end. That's a show I wish I didn't have to watch. That and She-Hulk. Oh, my goodness. Talk about time waste. Uh, Giant Rat, last FNT was fun. I'm still giggling when I think about it. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, I think that the only way to get through Rings of Power is to do what we were doing, which is literally just to skip through to random scenes and hopefully land on a character making a funny face and then build a story up around that character because it's so much more entertaining. Uh, Kimberly G says, my Best Buy in Missouri is very empty, too. And, yeah, this is something that is, I, I definitely do think it is something that has affected many places, many, many places. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, the, the Chattanooga area Best Buys, for instance, that, that are being impacted. I think all Best Buys, because traffic has gone down quite a bit, are clearly putting more attention on their big box items, which take up the vast majority of space. So they've got still their large cell phone section. They still got their computer sections. They're about the same. The game section, I think, is about the same, too. Um, and so it just seems that, I guess, their movies don't sell as well. Though I, I, I find it hard to believe that those $5 movies didn't sell. I, I imagine they got rid of it initially because of COVID. But at this point, it's like, bruh. Come on. Scott McKenzie says, Woke of Prime is an abomination, especially the lying showrunners, not Tolkien, not the book, uh, the book, the book they uh, did. I, did I say I despise the show? Yeah, seriously. It, it's completely, it, it's completely atrocious. It, it's completely atrocious what they have done. And, and you're right. It's, it's not Tolkien. It's very poorly done fan fiction. Very, very poorly done fan fiction. All right. Chaz jumped on me once again, like it always does. Again, smash the like button, light up fire button as well. Thank you all again for hanging out tonight. My my 60 people. We've been about 60 every stream on, on YouTube recently, so thank you all very much. UAB Mad Dog says, I miss the Valks. I'm off to YouTube, he says over on, on Locals. I'm just happy that the Locals chat's working because it has UAB Mad Dog. It also has uh, Manapa... Uh, Mana Ma Mano, 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 Manolopoulos? Manolopoulos? Is that how you say it? Welcome. It has, it has y'all three showing up in the live stream. I assume that means that y'all are on the screen, I guess. Um, but yeah, glad, glad just to know that people are there and that they can put into the chat. Gives people options. 
Father Luke, exactly. It's Mormon time. So many great, so many great memes from that. I love it. Remember Sci-Fi, I picked up The Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day 4Ks. Nice. Yeah, they, they, they did a re-release of The Edge of Tomorrow, and it was actually a new design. Um, 4K steelbook for that one. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's uh, so many really well-designed, and that's one thing. The, the fact that they're continuing to do the 4K steelbooks tells me that there is clearly a market for them. So I'm not worried about physical media going away, but I, I definitely think that stores like Best Buy could probably benefit themselves by doing a little bit more. You know? Doing just a little bit more. Probably doesn't help as well that they go after people who are filming, and, and again, it's one thing if you're bringing, like, trying to bring, like, a film crew and something fancy, but when you have, like, like the vlogging camera I has, I, I has, the, the, the vlogging camera I have is, it's a DJI Osmo Pocket, and it's meant to be very small, it's, it's meant to n- not be intrusive, and literally, it's like, okay, the, the camera's either on me and no one else can be seen, or it's on the actual movies, And in fact, most of it is just on the movies because I don't want other people to have to feel like they're being filmed because I could understand why someone would like that. But when you do that, again, how does that help you? If you think about it for a second, I'm giving free promotion by by you allowing me to do that. You were were allowing me to give you free promotion by saying, oh, y'all need to go to Best Buy right now because look at this and look at this. Because even if I'm not going to buy a specific Blu-ray or buy a specific steelbook, the fact that I'm being able to, through just my own small channel and other people too, who I'm, I know who have had similar experiences before and have either just continued to do it and have guess gone through the drama that surrounds it or have become a little bit more smart about where they place their cameras or how they do it. It's, it's counterintuitive to me. It's so counterintuitive. It's like, no, you all I'm asking is that you leave me alone. That's the other thing, too. Going even beyond that is my ADD brain. The other problem, too, and this is when you know Best Buys are in a very bad state. Because they have one person in charge of like every section. And the thing I can't stand about Best Buy. This was the only positive thing Best Buy related with COVID. There were not as many workers and they left you alone. Now that we're post-COVID, oh my goodness, it's back to the same old thing where it's like I'm walking down aisles looking for certain items and every five seconds it's, oh, can I help you find something? No, leave me. (laughs) It's like, I don't want to be rude, but it's like, leave me alone, please. I'm an introverted person. I've just come in here to try to find some movies and I will find them myself, thank you, because... My worst fear is that I'm going to say, oh, yes, could you help me find this? And then you're just going to hang around trying to be helpful. And I know that they're trying to be helpful. I know that they're doing their job, and I'm sure that they have to do that. But, oh, my goodness. It's like I move from one section to the next, and it's like, can I help you find something? Can I help you find something? No. If I need help, I'm going to ask you. All right? If I need help, I will ask you for help. Leave me alone. WG, thank you for the fifty dollar donation via Streamlabs. Thank you very much, WG. Very, very generous man. I appreciate it. it. Says keep up the great work. All the best, sir. Well, thank you, WG, for your very, very generous donation, man. I really do appreciate it. You are awesome, and I of course appreciate you and Low Water Mark uh, going that route. As going through Streamlabs means that you circumvent Mama Susan. YouTube ain't getting none of that. 
However, the U.S. government now is. <laughs> uh, remember when they passed that, that bill that had so much crap in it, and part of it was, oh, yeah, if you make more than $600, uh, you, you now have to file it with your tax. It used to be where you had to make a certain amount of money. Um, you had to reach a certain threshold, basically before you had to actually report the income on your taxes. But because the government wants more of your money and, you know, oh, but they're they're trying to go after the rich. It's like, oh, I didn't realize that I was rich. But now more of my money is going to be taxed, is now going to be uh, being gone after by, by, by the tax man. Now, I'm lucky in this regard that I spend almost every penny of what I make from YouTube. Now... Hold on. You might say, that's terrible. What are you doing? Why aren't you saving? And Okay, here's the, here's the thing. The way that we view it in my household is that anything I make from YouTube isn't real money. It's, it's meant specifically to support my hobby, which is watching movies, talking about movies, etc. You know, my YouTube channel, it's not, it's not a full-time job. I do this because it's fun. I happen to make money from it, which is cool. And I want to make sure that that money goes back in. So whether I'm buying upgrades to the setup to improve quality of sound or visuals or what I spend the vast majority of my money on today, I spent, I'll I'll, I'll be straight up. I spent $250 at Best Buy and that was just on steelbooks. And I think out of the eight steelbooks I bought, two of them are for me, six of them are for giveaways. Most of the money I spend are on movies that I give away to people. And that is just the, again, that that's just the way I've always wanted to, to utilize it is, yeah, you know, I'll spend some of it on, on myself from time to time, you know, to get a movie for myself or my collection, but I want to spend most of it on, on trying to, you know, put it back into the community. And the way I do that is by, by giving movies and of course, you all know recently I've been also uh, making rosaries, and so now I spend a little bit of it on rosary supplies as well. And I, those I give away for free. You know, you just you email me, contact me through one of the channels that I'm on, Discord, email. You live anywhere in the world, you tell me what kind of rosary you want, I'll send it to you free of charge. You don't have to worry about shipping costs or anything. You know, when I do giveaways here on the channel, I don't do them very often on the channel. Um, you know, outside of the uh, Discord channel dedicated to it, but I do sometimes do giveaways. But again, I, I love I love doing that. I, I love being able to send it. I remember someone mentioned Elite Battle Angel earlier. Like I looked back and I was like, oh man, I spent so much money on the 4Ks and Steelbooks for Elite Battle Angel just again just to give them away to to try to raise awareness about the film. Let's see. JKDBox36 says, Good evening. Please help. My wife is making me watch an episode of Big Sky, a.k.a. Big Soy. I haven't even heard of that. So, uh, <laughs> good luck, sir. I, I hope you survive. Your average Patriot nerd says, How far? Dude, bruh, bruh. Your average Patriot nerd. Where have you been? I finished, I finished DS9 like a month or two ago. I don't even remember when I did it, but <laughs> I finished it quite a while ago. So... Asgard says, I liked Werewolf by Night, easily the best Disney plus Marvel. Is that Marvel? I did not know that. I have now some doubts about it because it is Disney Marvel. And they, they haven't been doing much recently as far as quality content. Uh, Father Lucas says, now that you mention it, I should rewatch some 80s movies. There you go. 
Rob D says, the number one show that would be attacked by SJWs today would have to be Bonanza. All white heterosexual male main cast and all women are portrayed as greedy and liars. I would counter that with a show that actually has been um, attacked for cancellation and it hasn't worked. I mean, you can still get the full series available um, everywhere. I got it just to have it to, to be able to actually preserve it. And I would say I will, I will counter your bonanza and say Dukes of Hazard. That that's what my counter will be. But there are plenty of other shows that we could bring up that would easily be canceled today. Miss Minnesota hockey fan. I'm looking forward to this weekend going to watch 2010 and 90s Robin Hood movies. Very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, by the way, uh, Stephanie B, I know that you're not in the chat if you're watching this, or, or Tina B, um, there is, uh, I got the message about the film that uh, she was going to be needing for y'all's Soup the Nut stream for Halloween, y'all's Halloween watch party. So she should be on the lookout for that soon. Was able to find a, a pretty cool deal on on that, so she should be happy. All right, let's see. Input latency time to say 30 minutes behind, making great time. Also, I'm probably out of here by the time you're reading this, so been nice listening. Good night. Uh, it's 7.55 in the chat. It is 8.12, so making up some time. UAB Mad Dog says, yeah, I still have it open but muted. Flirting with Tina in YouTube. Flirting with Tina. Leave, leave my mods alone, all right? She's the Empress of the Universe. She, she will put you in your place if you, if you put her in that position. She has the power. She has the power to, 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 to take care of you, to nuke you out of existence. <laughs> uh, Mark Lizette says, did you hear Am- Amsterdam will uh, lose close to $90 million? Uh, bruh, bruh. Come on, man. Come on, man. Do you, do you, do you not watch my, uh, do you not watch my, my box office breakdowns? I know that they're somewhat on the long side, but I do cover this stuff. Yeah, it opened up to $10 million. It cost $80 million. Its break-even is $200 million. And uh, let's see. Right now, it is at $114 million in the red. So I won't have a projection on its actual losses until week two is over, until the second weekend is actually over. But it ain't looking good. And again, that was from this past weekend. Let's see if they... Uh, if they were able to make anything from this past Monday, I doubt it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They made $782,000 on a Monday and they're still only at 10.6 million. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I would say 90 million sounds about right. It could, it could theoretically be more. I'll have to wait and see what the actual uh, numbers are. As you all know, I like I like to have the actual data in front of me. But yeah, if you go to my website, I got my chart right here. So as of 10.9, it had made $10 million. Now it's about at $10.6 million. And based off of how much money they spent, typical marketing costs and how much the studio typically gets, you're looking at right now, as of today, it's at $114 million in the red. Obviously, this will change over time as it gets more money. Um, but yeah, that and La La Crocodile are in pretty dangerous positions. Uh, Bros, I officially announced this past weekend, will be a flop. It's going to lose somewhere between 20 and $25 million when all is said and done. Don't worry, Darling actually has a chance. Uh, its drop-offs have not been as significant as they could be 
So it still has a chance. And the Woman King. Don't sleep on the Woman King, people. All right? Uh, don't sleep on that one. That one still has a few countries that it has not yet opened in. So though its chances of being a financial loss are, are still there, it, it's not a done deal. It's not a done deal. So, but yeah, Amsterdam. When your poster is nothing but names and tells you nothing about the actual story, y- you should know that, that things aren't going to you know, go well for you. Uh, we over in Odyssey says, given your view on wigs, how would you make it in the olden days when all men, uh, when, where all men had those white wigs everywhere they went? I would not be one of those persons. We, um, because if I had to live in another point in history, I would bring the only caveat would be, I would have to have modern medicine just because I mean, that's just, that's just legit. You know, gotta have modern medicine, uh, would be medieval times. And not the uh, not the actual you know show and and a meal medieval times that you can find at a couple of locations, but no actual medieval times. I, I just time in the church and and I know it's not perfect. Trust me, I know it's not perfect. Uh, we also had said with Halloween weeks away. What are your thoughts on pumpkin versus pineapple on pizza? Um, well, pumpkin is delightful and delicious. And I actually, I would be willing to try, uh, I would be willing to try pumpkin on pizza because that one actually does make sense. It's a seasonal thing. Pumpkin everything, right? Actually, okay, here's how you make pumpkin on pizza work. Pumpkin crusted pizza. That actually sounds delicious and it actually makes sense. So you make the dough, right? You make a a pumpkin-based dough, and so that will give you that kind of that pumpkin flavor sweetness. But then you have everything else be normal pizza stuff. That makes sense to me. The pineapple, that again, the pineapple on pizza, it's an abomination. It is one of the gravest evils of our day and age. Some would say other things are, are worse than that. But no, I think pineapple on pizza is complete and utter heresy and blasphemy. And for anyone who supports it, I have only one thing to say to you. You leave me no choice but to declare you excommunicado. If you are someone that supports pineapple on pizza, you are excommunicado. You are excommunicated. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says... You want a slightly inappropriate movie that portrays a type of character differently from the activist media of today. Caddyshack 2. Protagonist is a lovable goof who has his problems, but he's a super rich white man who is amazingly generous, and the media demonizes him every chance they get. Well, there you go. Yeah. Just can't make uh, movies anymore. Uh, Bright Burn. I heard people who couldn't stand the James Bond film Spectre that No Time to Die couldn't save the franchise after they jumped the shark with Spectre. Yeah, I'm one where I thought Casino Royale was fantastic. I thought Quantum of Solace was complete trash. That one obviously got impacted by the writer's strike, but it was still trash. Doesn't take away that fact. Uh, And then you had Skyfall, which I thought was actually fun. Uh, Roger Deakins' cinematography on that movie was just beautiful. So that alone was... Is, is you know that alone was enough for that movie that that, w- that was alone enough for me in that movie the cinematography Spectre was not as bad as people said it was in comparison to the others it doesn't hold a candle it's but Spectre is nowhere near as bad as Quantum of Solace if you're going to talk about jumping the shark Quantum of Solace would be the jumping shark moment Spectre was just a bland movie and a waste of of the talents of of a few actors 
And then with the last one with No Time to Die, that one also was similar to Spectre, where it had it was hit and miss. There were a couple things where you're like, okay, but then there's a couple other things that just didn't make any sense. Like there's this whole dynamic of, oh, this is the daughter of James Bond, and oh, this evil man has her, and then oh, the evil man just lets her go. There's some really stupid stuff. Not to mention you have Lashana Lynch in the film who can't act her way out of a paper bag. And then you also have Anna de Armas in the movie who has a minor supporting role. And you're looking at it saying, wait a minute, if you are having the goal in your mind of, oh, we want to have a strong female protagonist that's there to, you know, thwart Bond and everything, why in the world did you not cast Anna de Armas who can actually pull it off because she can actually act? Whereas Lashana Lynch is very similar to Brie Larson in certain respects where she has no charisma and is boring. I don't hate wigs. I just don't like when wigs are, are done uh, poorly. I just don't like when it's done poorly is all. And I usually don't even recognize it. That's something that my, uh, if there's one thing that drives me nuts and I love my wife, love her to death. She will never watch these streams because we disagree on so many things. Um, but but sometimes there's there's moments where she'll mention something about the wig and I'm like, just let it go. All right? Because now it's things where she'll mention it and then I can't unsee it. And it's like, that's something I never would have noticed before. But because you pointed it out, sweetie, and I love you, and I love you, sweetie, but now I can't unsee it. <laughs> uh, I like how some people in the chat are also talking about the wigs as far as like the political party and the political faction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hate wigs. I hate the traditional wig party. <laughs> oh, man. Jake and Buck, it's like there's nothing worth watching on the big screen, and it's going to be that way for some time. I, I agree and disagree because you still have uh, some places showing Top Gun, so there's something. <laughs> some places that have some films worth watching. And don't ever sleep on the indie films, all right? There's gonna be there's gonna be at least one or even two indie films that no one's talking about that are actually gonna be worth watching. I know that uh, Nathan Slay, who's always in the chat, right? He swears by the film Barbarian. I've not seen Barbarian, but he says it's a fantastic movie. It's an example of a film that's actually doing very well financially for itself compared to its budget and um, making profit based on on a very small budget. So you have that. I've also been hearing good things about Smile uh, as well. And then there's also the various uh, classic films that have either come back or, or are coming back, you know? So I, I, I think that it's 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 definitely not something where there's nothing coming out. But as far as big budget things, yeah. It, it's slim pickings when we get to that. General Wingster says, what do you think about House of the Dragon time skips? I don't mind them at first, but having one nearly every episode is so confusing. No, I agree too, right? It's, it's because every episode there's a time jump. But what I find to be hilarious about it, and so I almost, I, I had to chuckle at it at this point. They make it a point within the first five to ten minutes of the episode to have a character mention it. <laughs> like this past episode... You have a character in voiceover, I think, if I remember correctly, saying, like, it's been six years, or I haven't seen you in six years. And so it's it's comically bad how they handle the, the time jumps. I mean, I appreciate 
that they have an element of story movement with those time jumps. I think it's only benefited a couple of characters, though. Right, uh, Patty's character, uh, who plays who plays the king. I think that seeing his character age, especially towards the end, I think that that's been a big benefit to his character and its development. Most of the other characters, they don't look six years older. I mean, you have the kids, I guess, but the adults, they look... I mean, Damon, played by Matt Smith, looks the exact same. And it's supposed to have been now, what, 10, 20 plus years? And he looks the exact same? Um, so, yeah, the, the, but it's to me, it's comical how they mention the time jumps every single... They have one character whose sole job, or there's one line, and the sole purpose of that one line is to, to mention... The amount of time that has passed. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's see. It's 824. We got about five minutes left. So we're going to try and get through uh, the last of these comments before wrapping things up today. JKD Buck says, I watched zero episodes of Andor and I'm done with it. Karen of the Rings is terrible. I have no interest in the House of the Dragon. I listen to the books on audio and walk. Hey, bro. Yeah, audiobooks are where it's at, man. There's a lot of really good ones out there. I, I also listen to a lot of uh, podcasts. Uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts of channels that I watch on, on YouTube. A lot of Catholic podcasts specifically because, you know, that, that's the kind of nerd that I am. I've also been watching The Good Place. I don't know if anyone's ever watched that. Uh, I'm kind of late to the party on that one. Um, but I like it a lot because even though I, I wish there was a little bit more of the philosophical conversations when they do happen... It's fun for me as a, you know, theology teacher, as someone who has a degree in theology and who is actually does who actually wants to pursue a degree as well in in philosophy. I would love to dive further into philosophy. Um, it, it's just fun in that respect. There's some problems, like there's some quotes and moments in the show where it's like, okay, this is still clearly a modern show, but you know, it's actually fun. It's it's actually a fun show for the most part. But that's what I've been watching. Let's see. Elbin says, what is your favorite book and why is it John? Wait, what? Favorite book? Do, are, was the initial question supposed to say, what is your favorite book in the Bible? <laughs> because if you're talking about the Bible, you have to, of course, say, okay, do you mean Old Testament or New Testament? Old Testament, it's Job. I just, I don't, I've always enjoyed the book of Job. I, I, I just love, um, I, I love not only the, you know, to, you know, not only do I love Job as a person and how great of an example he is in complete submission of mind and will to God. I just think that he's just the quintessential version of what true submission of mind and will to God looks like. But then also if we're talking new Testament, um, I, Oh man. Oh man. I actually love the acts of the apostles. And it's because I love seeing how all of the things in the early church worked because almost any question or almost any criticism that you can really find can be answered typically in the Acts of the Apostles. Like you see the foundation of holy orders, for instance, within the Acts of the Apostles. The only people who are going to establish communities are the ones who are sent by the apostles, who have the laying on of hands. And so it's like, okay, we can already start to see this very consistent, um, you know, consistent narrative being being established in the early church anyway father luca to say i saw earlier that angela lansbury had passed away yeah we had talked about that earlier again may perpetual light shine upon her uh nearside cyclops says your worst fears are kind of comforting 
I'm, I'm, I don't know if that should be, uh, I don't know if I, sh- I should be disturbed by that or not. By the way, someone had mentioned Endor earlier. Uh, sorry, Endor. Andor. <laughs> someone had mentioned Andor earlier. Yeah, talk about a show where it's a well-made show. Like, it's, its production value is there. It, it, it's spending the money well. The problem is, is that it's a show about one of the most uninteresting characters in the entire lore of Star Wars. That's where they made their first mistake was, let's make a show about a character from a movie that most people see as being the best of the modern Star Wars era films, but is still also not all that great in the first place. But we're going to choose the most uninteresting character from that movie to do a show about. I mean, come on. General Wingster, tad to say, if a store employee asks me if they can help, I pull a Ron Swanson and say, I know more than you. <laughs> See, I'm not nearly as bold. Uh, Father Lucas says, the state be like, you have $600? You're part of the top 1%? Give me your money. Exactly. And that's the reason why um, I, I have so many things that I just, I just get to write off on, on, my, on my taxes. It's like, oh, you want to go after the little bit of extra cash I make you know, for, from my hobby? Okay, well, I spend basically all of it on the hobby anyway, so yeah. You're still not you're still not getting anything from me. Oh, except you are because we still have to pay sales tax. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, you know? It's like we still have to pay taxes in general on, on most commodities, so yeah. It's almost as if it's theft or something. Ah oh, man. JKD Buck, yep. 87,000 IRS employees are being hired to come after U.S. Uh, not my rich people. I hate watching the wicked win constantly. That's why someone told me to read 37th Psalm over and over again. Yeah. I can find a lot of comfort in the Psalms. Alice McCarthy. Of course, Alice McCarthy likes Big Sky. Why am I not surprised by that? I, again, I haven't heard much about it, so I can't really <laughs> say much about whether that's a, a good take or not, but... Mike Jackson, her putting in her putting in my place is the point of flirting. All right, bro. Whatever you say, brother. Whatever you say. All right, it's about eight thirty. So uh, please stop tagging, if you will. Uh, let's see. You're actually nerd. I haven't been here in a while. I guess I missed it. Hope you enjoyed. It. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. If you just went back, you know, Orange Chat. So bros. So did bros fizzle out? Yeah, pretty much. It had, um, again, it didn't have the worst week one, week two drop-off ever, but, I mean, for a movie that didn't make anything opening weekend, it dropped 56%. So, it made, again, it made about $4 million opening weekend. It made $2 million in a second weekend, dropping 56%. I imagine we'll see another similar type of drop next weekend. So, yeah, the movie doesn't really have a lot of uh, hope at this point, and I think that's ultimately a good thing. Because as I mentioned previously, what is the purpose of the film and what is the selling point of the film? Oh, it's a rom-com. And what's the story? Oh, well, it has two gay men in it. That's it? That That's your story? That, that's where you started? Soul Assassin. In the olden days, the people who wore wigs had all kinds of STDs. <laughs> Hence the wigs and normal folks had normal hair. There you go. Warren Chat says, I have feasted at medieval times. My night won the tournament. We got free dessert. Nice! I would uh, love to go to one of those places at some point. I lived in an area where I was not too far away, but 
That was a long time ago. A long time ago. Father Luca, pineapple pizza is the abomination of desolation of the, pro- the prophet Daniel mentions. Yes, Father Luca, yes. We, we honestly could say that pineapple on pizza is the food of choice of the Whore of Babylon. I'm just saying. And yes, I mean, of course, of uh, the city of Rome. <laughs> sure, that's going to cause some fun discussions in the chat. You ever, your average patron dirt, uh, pumpkin on pizza, heretic. I think the way I sold it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kimberly G, yes, if you are a pineapple on pizza, pro pineapple pizza, then yeah, you're excommunicado. But we still love you. It's one of those days where you're excommunicated, but we still love you. Because it's not a real excommunication. Joe Wingster, uh, fooling around before marriage is awful, uh, but that Odin, uh, but that pineapple pizza, though, yes. They, they are both grave evils. I put them on the same level. Obviously, hopefully, you catch the sarcasm there. One is clearly long, worse than the other. Uh, we says, with D-Live gone, where will the new ice creams? Well, I guess if someone does a, a super chat donation ice cream, Super sticker, ice cream, whatever it might be, I can I can do the ice cream there. So <laughs> uh let's see. Uh, Abomination says, to be fair, in two months, Odin has five hundred hours of videos and streams. Is it really that much? I mean, I think that compared to other YouTubers, I am much more conservative in, in my content production. I do about a 90-minute show, sometimes a little longer, but usually it's 90 minutes twice a week, so that's three hours. So I do three hours a week. I do maybe about three videos a week now is about my average, and they're usually 15 to 20 minutes long. So let's say another hour there. So I do, what, four hours of content a week, maybe? Yeah, I guess you, I guess, uh, no, it wouldn't be that much. It wouldn't be that much. So, no excuses. You guys paid Cedar Royale Skyfall were the good Craig Bond films. Yeah. And yes, I did say Craig and not Craig. It's fun to mispronounce things. Ego, it says, Final Pizza is the jumping of the shark moment of the West. The line from the first deviant that put it on pizza to the MCU, Disney Star Wars, and John Denver CDs is crystal clear. Yes. You have found it out. You have discovered the secret and the truth, the hidden truth that has been cast over our eyes. Pineapple on pizza is absolutely. Uh, Abomination just says, no need to math it. Oh, no, I'm going to math it out. And your math is is very clearly uh, incorrect. It's very clearly incorrect. So. It is what it is, but we are running short of time, so if comments are skipped, I do apologize, but I am still at 821 in the chat, so there's no guarantee that a comment has been skipped. Uh, Ambrose Chamberpot, what's going on? As I said, I've been looking for those at Odin's the very beginning of the comment. Uh, (laughs) Even Alex McCarthy likes Andor. Sure you do. Why am I not surprised? Why am I not surprised by this? Richard Fontaine, I thought they revised that $600 a month number back to the 10000 per year number. Not that I've heard. That'd be beautiful to hear. But I don't think it has because PayPal even gave me a notification about, oh, yeah, by the way, you're going to have to fill out a 1099 this year, whatever. And it mentioned the, the change in the law. 
Uh, Orange Hat says uh, something about a naughty word. What was that? This is the one that I've seen J.S. Pena. So, <laughs> only 13 minutes behind. What what kind of deviancy is this? Well, this is indeed the end of the show, folks, because uh, we're over time tonight. But I appreciate all of you so very much for all of your love, for all of your support, whether you are watching on Rumble, Kim Kane, Kim King Kane Rumshki, appreciate you holding down the fort over there. You would be mad dog. Appreciate you holding down the fort over on the local side of things. And of course, to the amazing mod and my Valkyrie, Tina, uh, also one of my mods, Laura, the modern major general. Thank you so very much for all of your love, for all of your support. It really does mean a lot. Uh, again, if you are keeping the Bifrost level or above on Patreon or on Subscribestar or Locals, those are the three platforms there, make sure that you are on the Discord server. Make sure that you have identified yourself by whatever name you go on on the platform that you support me on, so that way I can give you the proper role. It gives you access to the Giveaways channel because we're doing all kinds of stuff uh, as far as giveaways are concerned. I have to actually pick a winner because there's currently a giveaway for two copies that I'm giving away of the Steelbook for Catch Me If You Can, but I will be very soon be doing some more 4K Steelbooks and some digital code giveaway blitzes, all kinds of stuff. I like to, I like to try and put as many things out as I possibly can. It was about wigs, maybe next time. Well, I think the I think the wigs thing was kind of you know played out. <laughs> Alice McCarthy, always always just such a. You are a silly man, is what you are. You are a silly man. But anyway, make sure you tip your Valkyries on the way out, especially Tina. Seriously, Tina, thank you so very much for your love, for your support. I appreciate it. For everyone else, smash the like button, light the fire button, honesty, and smash the rumble button as well. You're all amazing, and beautiful people, hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening and of your week. See you all this Friday for Friday Night Tights. Um, hopefully, we have room this week. Um, and if not, I... Will I will probably might see you on Saturday. Baby Thor's birthday is in a couple of days. He's going to be two. Insane, insane. The 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 anniversary of the miracle of the sun of Fatima, um, which is amazing. I I love that that connection to to that feast. But can't believe how how huge he is. But that means family's coming in this weekend. Uh, for the birthday celebration and stuff. And so I might be able to do a Saturday stream, but no promises. Um, my family tends to tap out around that time. So normally whenever I've canceled it in the past because it's, oh, family, which always does come first. I've also basically canceled it. And then all of a sudden they've left and I'm like, oh, I could have done the show after all. So most likely there will be a show Saturday, but I will keep you all posted. Make sure you follow me on either Locals or on the Discord for updates about those as they come about. But anyway, you guys are all amazing, beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your evening. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my locals, Patreon, and Subscribestar members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon, Father Luca Illich, Garrett Searles, Joe Horn, Jaime Ari Heimason, Jeff Toon, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Orange Hat Reviews, you can check out over on YouTube at the channel with the same name. Rosetta Allen, who also has a YouTube channel called Eagle Rider. 
and Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel by the same name. Thank y'all very much, my Patreon supporters, and also for my subscribe star peeps, Matt317, who you can check out over on Twitch at Matt317, Storm Tracker, The R, Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod, The Beer Guru, and ZK-Man, who you can check out over at xtheboundaries.co. And lastly, my locals members, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson, For the Win, J.H. Schwalbach, and the great lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all so very much for your support. If you would like for your name to be shouted out at the end of every live stream and video, please make sure to check out the top link in the video description where you can sign up over on Patreon, Subscribestar, or Locals. You get access to things not only like shoutouts, but also to giveaways of 4Ks and Blu-rays, an exclusive podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger every single month, and also the Chosen of Valhalla live stream for my Chosen of Valhalla members, which we do once a month, and it is a lot of fun. So all of this and plenty of more content, check out those links in the link tree in that top comment down below. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. A blessed October to everyone out there. Blessed month of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And as always, God bless.